Welcome to The Light Angle. Today is April 10th, 2023. My name is Jack. Hope y'all had a good weekend. Welcome to the new week. Hope you celebrated Easter yesterday. Yesterday was Easter. We celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I hope you spent some time to at least reflect on that. We're going to talk a little bit more about Easter later in the show, but there was a couple things I wanted to cover that have nothing to do with Easter, but I thought were interesting, kind of funny, and uh, something we should take note of and kind of reflect on. So as we reflect on yesterday and the resurrection, uh, I also kind of reflected on the last three years, you know, and what... (laughs) What a crazy time it's been. It's still crazy right now, but the last three years has literally changed, I think, all of our lives in some way or another. Some people took advantage of the situation of being locked up and kind of ran with it. Uh, My first article has to do with two of those people. Um, This is from the Good News Network. A couple makes award-winning gin and vodka after starting a distillery in a shed during lockdown. Now, I know this is a Christian podcast, um, and I know that some denominations of Christianity are completely opposed to alcohol, uh, and that's fine. You can do what you choose. Um, The Bible doesn't say we can't drink alcohol. It says we should not be a drunkard on beer or wine, you know, so we have to understand our, you know, limits, and for most of us, we should use it quite sparingly, you know, but um, because there's a very quick and deep rabbit hole should you abuse alcohol. But anyway, I'm not going to get into that. Let's talk about the story in these two folks. So a couple is making award-winning gin and vodka after starting a distillery in a garden shed during the pandemic lockdown. Terry Hudson and husband Richard began experimenting with alcohol flavorings over 12 years ago in their first copper still. The couple has since converted an old poultry shed, also on their land in Taunton, England, They've already scooped up 15 awards since launching officially last year. It started as a hobby, and we had a real passion for it, said Richard. We've both worked in the Merchant Navy, so knew a bit about different cultures and flavors and have always enjoyed experimenting. (laughs) Isn't it always the sailors who know the most about alcohol? Goodness. Uh, Then, during the first COVID lockdown, we uh, bought an old farm to move to, and we also decided to start experimenting with distilling alcohol in the shed with a small copper still. Once they tasted their treasure, the couple wanted to start selling small batches commercially, so they applied for all the necessary licenses. They had a derelict poultry shed at the bottom of the land, so they applied to convert it into a distillery. We've still got the chickens next door, but the warehouse now has all our copper stills and we operate out of that. They officially launched Mainline Spirits last June using a name inspired by the unique history of their plot of land. The couple found links to local railroad history soon after moving in, which showed that the location was on the Mainline Railway between London and Penzance. The farm hadn't been touched since the the 1970s, but we found documentation about the farm that said it was built in 1717 said Richard. Records show it was moved. It was right in the path of the original steam locomotives. Back in the day, it was a big farm with orchards, so we're trying to replant them and pick ingredients from the land. Describing their spirits as using only the finest hand-picked botanicals from the rolling landscapes, the couple chose train-related names such as Signalman Vodka and Western Star Gin, named for the Great Western Railway. 
Since officially launching less than a year ago, the couple have won 15 awards, including a gold medal and the Taste of the West after just 16 days. They have also been recognized with accolades at the Gin Masters and Gin of the Year Awards. Considering we only launched the brand last year, we have hit the ground running. To win so many awards in such a short space of time is humbling. So that's pretty cool. I brought it up not so much for the alcohol, but more for you'd ask yourself a question. What did you do during all that time where life changed? It changed for all of us in one way or another, some much more drastic than others, but it did change. What did you do? Did you just sit there and kind of think, oh, well, this sucks. I'm just going to watch more TV and binge on episodes. Or did you take advantage of whatever there may have been to take advantage of and use it for your benefit or the benefit of others? I think that's a question we all need to ask ourselves one way and kind of reflect on that. I don't like looking back backwards very often, but it does provide a useful tool when changing the way we are moving forward. And the only way we can better ourselves and the people around us and our communities is if we do reflect on that and take the good, look at the bad, and look at how we can change things. Because right now, we're still going through a very crazy period of change. And how we end up on the other side is how we reflect on the mistakes that were made in the past. And I know a lot of people are going to say, well, the government this and the government yet. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. The government's a mess. We should not rely on them whatsoever. We should look as citizens as, and as people, part of a community, to make those changes on our own. Because that's the only way it's going to make a difference. Right? So saying that, with some changes going on in the world, and some things I think we should look at and reflect upon, are things that are happening in certain states. I brought it up, I think, the past two weeks regarding uh, CDBC and currency and stuff like that. And there's a few states actually starting to dig more into precious metals. Uh, and my assumption was that they were doing this to start their own type of currency. Uh, so <laughs> what a surprise. Uh, <laughs> Jack is one for one. So in this article from, where is this from? Kitco.com, Kitco News, Texas moves to create gold-backed digital currency. So as lawmakers in the U.S. introduce bills pushing back against the creation of U.S. dollar-based central bank digital currency, CBDC, Texas is opting to go a different route with the creation of a state-issued gold-backed digital currency. Based on the text of Senate Bill 2334, which was introduced by State Senator Brian Hughes and House Bill 4903, which was introduced by State Rep. Mark DeRazio, the legislators are looking to require the state comptroller to establish a digital currency that is fully backed by gold and fully redeemable in cash or gold. The comptroller shall establish a digital currency that is backed by gold so that each unit of the digital currency issued represents a particular fraction of a troy ounce of gold held in trust, the bill states. Adding that, if needed, a private vendor can be enlisted to help establish the digital currency. The comptroller would also be required to create a mechanism that would allow the new gold-backed digital currency to be used by citizens for their daily transactions. In establishing the digital currency, the comptroller shall establish a means to ensure that a person who holds the digital currency may readily transfer or assign the digital currency to any other person by electronic means. All gold reserves backing the digital currency would be held in a trust with a Texas bullion depository that is controlled by the comptroller or another entity appointed by the comptroller. 
There will be no limit on the amount of gold-backed digital currency that Texans can purchase. As soon as a purchase is made, the comptroller will be required to buy a fractional number of troy ounces of gold equal to the number of units of the digital currency issued by the purchaser. Holders can also elect to redeem the digital gold or digital currency for gold. The comptroller or one of its designated agents may manage redemption of the digital currency. Uh, all fees generated from the management of the fund, blah, blah, blah. Both bills uh, end with a line saying this act takes effect September 1st, 2023. At the time of this writing, neither bill had been assigned to a committee in order to become official law. They must first get a committee hearing, pass a majority vote, and then be approved into full vote by the Senate House. So that's interesting. I have a lot of questions. First of all, as we all should be aware, digital currency is... You know, there's a lot of questions there. If it's digital, it's not in your hand. And I think most people will agree that if it's not in your hand, you actually don't own it. If you don't have it in your possession, it's not yours. That's my mindset. Um, do I use banks? Absolutely. You know, but that's a risk we all take. That's a risk I take. Um, so even if you have digital currency that reflects uh, an amount of gold and is backed by that gold, um, there's always going to be the concern of, do you actually have that? What if a worst case scenario, what if something, what if it crashes? What if the, uh, you know, internet and all this stuff crashes, we don't have internet. Therefore we will not have access to our gold, right? In this case, that's a question. Also hacking. That's a real thing. What type of crypto are they using? How are they encrypting this, your, your accounts and the tracking of the gold? I mean, one day you could wake up and all the gold that is in your account in your digital currency is zero. Uh, of course, it could always go the opposite way. You now are a billionaire, uh, although that's pretty unlikely. Um, so these are all questions that I think really need to be looked at and asked. Um, and also, if each state starts having their own currency, even if it is backed by gold, how do you trade between states or even internationally? You know, I mean, is Walmart in Texas going to accept... Alabama digital currency? How does that work? Will they accept US dollars? Do all different businesses have to be able to have the ability to accept 50 different currencies? 51? I mean, what's the limit here? I mean, and that's a heavy ask. What if you're just somebody having a yard sale? How are you going to sell stuff, make money, or selling eggs? I mean, I don't know. A lot of questions to be asked. I think it's good that individual states are looking at actual real currency that is actually backed by something. Um, so this is interesting. I'm sure we'll have more to come, but it goes back to what I've been bringing up. Uh, make yourself aware, get educated, learn at least what digital currency is, learn the value of gold. Um, I think it'll blow your mind. Uh, way back in the thirties, uh, $1 Gold coin, which was 100% gold, was about the size of a dime. Today, that same piece of gold is like 300 and some dollars. Imagine if grandpa, instead of putting, you know, dollar bills in his mattress, put just some gold coins. I mean, goodness, that'd be a heck of a difference. So make sure you understand that. Uh, I think recently one ounce of gold was up to $2,000. And to put that into perspective, a one ounce coin of pure gold or 99% gold is only the size of like a 50 cent piece. That's $2,000 of gold. Blows your mind, doesn't it? 
on the upside, you don't need a big safe to have, you know, $6,000 worth of gold saved up, right? So that's something to think about. Anyway, all right, I thought those articles were interesting. I thought it was kind of neat. But going on in the same theme here of what I'm working for of change and how everything is changing, our culture has also changed. Um, and <laughs> to put it simply, people just don't have manners anymore. People don't know how to open doors for one another. In fact, I saw an article not too long ago where somebody was actually getting hollered at. A man opened a door for a woman, didn't know each other, and she was upset with him because she was completely capable of opening the door for himself, herself. How about that? What happened to the days where it was a good thing to open doors for people? Anyway, this next article kind of talks about that stuff. Uh, this is from Fox News, and the title was, In a Culture Gone Awry, Three Words change Can Change Lives. Time for a Refresher, Course in Civility. In a highly divided culture, one faith leader is reminding people of three key words and phrases that we need to use and embrace more than ever today, he told Fox News. I think it's time for a refresher course in civility, said Mark Batterin, author of the new book, Please Sorry Thanks. The three words that change everything. I dedicated the book to my mom and dad, which is special for me. They're the ones who taught me three magic words for living. You've got to be good at please, sorry, and thanks, he said in an interview with Fox News. These can't just be empty words, though, stressed the lead pastor of a national community church in Washington, D.C. Instead, it's the art and science behind them that counts. This is about making this a lifestyle, he said. I've never written a book about anything that's probably simpler than this, but it's at the art and science of these words that make this the most interesting. We need a rising tide of please, sorry, and thanks, which really means we need a rising tide of civility in today's culture. He said that people today are not good at disagreeing. It seems as if everyone's blaming everyone else for everything, and that's just not going to get us where we need to go. He also said, I think any kind of workplace or culture where there are certain baselines of treating each other with respect and honor, and I would add, as the image of God, that that is really, really critical right now. So in a rushed and rapidly evolving society, how do people convey meaningful appreciation for others? Words create worlds, said Batterson. Our words have the power to bless or to curse. So this isn't just about Emily Post politeness. This is about understanding how we see other people. And if I see them as the image of God, and that's how I see people, then everyone is invaluable and irreplaceable. And that means I have to treat them with respect and honor. He said words matter now more than ever. These words have to be expressions of how we see the person who is right in front of us. And we have to make sure that we're humanizing people more than we're demonizing people. In the book, he shares what he calls the four principles of peacemaking. Listen well, ask anything, disagree freely, and love regardless. And I'm not sure how good we are at any of these four, he said, but I do think we've got to find a way to, be, to love despite of our differences. When you actually treat people with genuine respect, it creates an atmosphere where people feel seen, heard, and understood. Right now, there are a lot of factors that have led to the incivility of the tensions or the tensions that we have felt across the culture. Maybe these three words can get us closer to where we need to be. He also mentioned we need a little bit of humility, and I reserve the right to get smarter later. Also, everyone's fighting a battle that I know nothing about, so I want to empathize. I always want to see other people with that understanding. 
We also need a higher level of non-anxious curiosity towards one another. Today, we're very quick to write each other off. Instead, we should hear people's stories and we can love each other despite our differences. He also added that Jesus set a high standard. There are things we are called to do, noting too that people need to honor others. Batterson's church on Easter Sunday hosted the Easter sunrise at the Lincoln Memorial. He had about 10,000 people gather, and it's a normal Washington tradition. It's actually their 43rd year. Uh, When he asked the impressions, I'm sorry, uh, (laughs) that's weird. It kind of cuts to something else. Anyway, it goes on a little bit to talk more about him and his family and his upbringing. I think he's on to something here. I think this is a good point. How many times in this past week or so have you heard, Someone apologize, say sorry, or say thank you, or say please, or do something, or go out of the way to help another person. That's challenging. How many times have you said it? Mm. Again, tough questions, but I think he's right. Our culture has gone awry, and it's just the basics, the foundation of what used to make our culture great. We used to be the ones who would help others. Instead, we turned into kind of this monster We're afraid to go outside and see each other. Let's talk about Easter. Let's talk about some good news. Again, with Fox News, Easter Sunday is a chance to overcome human doubt, as as this apostle did. So this is from a Kansas pastor. Easter is celebrated worldwide. And, and which was yesterday, as the faithful commemorate Christ's resurrection three days after his crucifixion. The Easter holiday is both a time of great hope and for some great confusion. Though the Easter season brings a sense of hope for many, there are others who struggle with uncertainty regarding the miracle of Christ's resurrection. Said Connor Krauss, who's a lead pastor at Topeka Bible Church in Kansas. These suspicions are understandable, said Krauss, as even the Apostle John was confused as to what was happening on Easter Sunday. In John 20, verses 3 through 9, Peter and John head off in a sprint to assess Mary Magdalene's startling claim that the body of Jesus was stolen, as well as to partake in the only biblical foot race on record, where John is sure to mention that he arrived first. Once they both arrive at the scene, an investigation takes place, with John taking the lead once again by by looking through the tiny doorway and getting his first look at the interior of the tomb. But when John sees the linen garments that covered Jesus's body, instead of heading into the burial tomb to investigate, John stops. It's Peter who heads in first without hesitation. While this fortright behavior is typical of Peter, John's, re- John's repentance should be studied more closely. Closely. <laughs> what gave him pause? Was he nervous, overly cautious, scared? People have tried to pin John's emotions down for a long time, but John himself is silent on what caused him to stay outside of the tomb. Whatever it was, he didn't want to be the first one in. Peter, when he entered the tomb, also saw the burial clause, except he reveals that they were neatly folded up, meaning it was unlikely Jesus' body was stolen, as Mary Magdalene feared. What grave robbers in their right mind, would bother to stop and fold the laundry. No, this was evidence of something much different. It was proof of the resurrection. John, having seen Peter enter the tomb, builds up the courage to follow him and bear witness to the same miraculous scene. 
And within the empty tomb, it was now John who saw the folded linens and believed in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The first to the tomb was the second one inside, but he overcame his moment of uncertainty and trusted in the risen Messiah. Now, John's faith was based on the miraculous fact of the resurrection that he himself witnessed. Later on, he continued, he would explain the deeper truth behind this event when he said, But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. I don't know what made John pause outside the empty tomb that day, but I know that there are many people who can identify with his hesitation. During Easter, Take the opportunity to overcome your doubts and walk into the proverbial empty tomb to witness the folded clothes for yourself and believe that Jesus is alive. After all, that's what John did. So I think that was interesting. And I have another story, or not even a whole story, but I have another clip a little bit that I want to share from Dr. Robert Jeffries. He was a senior pastor of First Baptist Church in Dallas, Texas. And he talks a little bit more on reminding us of this life-changing event. So he goes on to say that the resurrection is a fact in the past that offers hope for the future. It means death is not the end for us or our loved ones. If we believe in Christ, we will one day receive the very simple type, same type of body he has, one that will not age or get sick or die again. We will receive a body fit for a new creation. This world will be wonderfully freed from its bondage to sin and renewed to the abundant life God intended. Easter affirms that this future hope is not a fantasy, but it's real. Easter also offers comfort for the present. Families who experience the sting of death of a loved one experience the darkest moments in their lives. Perhaps you may have just experienced tragedy or lost a loved one and you are feeling despair and heartbreak. The message of Easter will not erase your grief and your pain right now, but through Christ, you can experience grief differently. As scripture says, those who place their faith and hope in Christ do not grieve as others do who have no hope. Easter is God's reminder that although our suffering is real, it is also temporary. So if you're feeling the sting of death or pain of any loss in your life, then he encourages you to remember the realty of Easter. What Christ accomplished through his resurrection is a fact in the past that offers hope for the future and comfort for the, for the present for all who simply place their faith in the Jesus who promised. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. John eleven twenty five. So I think that's interesting. And the reason I do is because we're taking two separate articles from two different people about the same event, but one placed a lot of emphasis and a question mark between why was John the first one at the tomb, but the second one to enter. Could it be that when he looked inside and didn't see anything in there, the thought that came across his mind was that, holy cow, this just really happened and our future completely has changed. Kind of piggybacking off of what Dr. Jeffries, Jeffries is talking about here. Everything has changed. If you're in Christ, the world is not the same for you as it is for everyone else. All right. Death will come, but will also be risen again. It isn't the end. How many people do you know? People do you see on TV? I mean, you, you name it, that you know for a fact that they're trying to acquire as much as possible, trying to live this life for themselves no matter what, to the best of their ability, because they know that this is it. When they're dead, they're dead. They're, there's nothing after. How sad is that? 
<laughs> Think about that for a second. You can't take anything with you when you die, whether you're resurrected or not. But if you're not believing in a resurrection, if you don't know Jesus Christ, that's it. So you want to live as long as you possibly can to get as much as you can, which blows my mind because this life is filled with nothing but loss and pain, right? I mean, no matter who you are, no matter where you live, no matter what you do, you will lose things and you will have pain. That's guaranteed. But when you live life understanding who Jesus Christ was and is, that all of a sudden that changes. You have something that to actually look forward to that has nothing to do with loss or pain. It's crazy, isn't it? Maybe John was thinking about that. Maybe that's why John didn't go in. He was just in a state of shock because he realized that, holy smokes, this is the real deal. I've been believing it, but now I believe it. And there's a future now that we all have without any more loss or pain. Everything changed. <laughs> something fun to think about, something fun to eat, even better to live in, because this is the life we live as Christians. And I think the best part is, is we get to live it with one another and share it to others. The more people we can bring into this fold of ours, the more eternity will be for all of us. Hope that makes sense. All right, y'all pray with me. Father God, thank you for sending your son to carry the burden of our sin. While the celebration of his resurrection has passed, we should remind ourselves each day of your grace in freeing us from the eternal death we so rightly deserve. Thank you for this freedom. Help us serve you and your will each day. Guide us in putting others ahead of ourselves and keeping us looking forward and changing ourselves to better reflect your image rather than mimicking the image of those around us. Please continue to bless us and keep us, enlarge our territory, and keep us from evil and temptation. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, y'all, that's it for today's episode of The Light Angle. But remember, we each have a purpose that's much greater than making a few extra dollars, feeding a temptation, or getting the last word in on a social media post. It all starts with two simple things, loving our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving our neighbor as we love ourselves. Hope always starts with a little light angle.